Welcome to the Veteran Business Collective Podcast. I am your host, Chase Roth, and today I am joined by Destiny Flynn, a military veteran, a Gold Star spouse, and military spouse. We are honored to have you with us today, Destiny. Uh, if you don't mind, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, well, since you already told everybody that I'm Destiny Flynn, I'm Destiny Flynn Dreyer. Um, I'm a 13-year Army veteran. I did HR and patient admin throughout my career. Um, I guess you could say it was exciting. Um, from there, I did a lot of uh, competitions, so I am a pro in the WBFF for for fitness. And um, what's, what's that stand for? Uh, it's World Beauty and Fitness fashion like federation i know that's really bad and i should know it's like that. fitness modeling yes yeah, so okay. yeah so it's fitness modeling so i've been doing that since 2006 and i think in 2012 i actually got my pro card so it took me Fantastic. a while to get there yeah, yeah so because i'm sure it's not easy to do um, no, it's a it's a lot of uh, sacrifice of time and friends, and uh, you kind of learn who your real friends are when you're always dieting. Probably you know? time, friends, foods you like, oh, uh, yeah. all kinds of things. I'm oh, sure, yeah. right? Yeah, very much so. So I think I did that for like ten years, just chasing this card, and then I think kind of like my mindset changed a little bit after that because everything was very uh, judged on what you look like what you wore, who you know, how much, uh, especially nowadays, like the social media following you had. So I just kind of, kind of like slowly just walked away from it because I just felt like um, it wasn't really giving me any like meaning or thought behind anything. Okay. Besides what I looked like, so. Yeah. Yeah, a little superficial. Very, very superficial. Yeah. So doing it for all the wrong reasons. Well, the goals were yours and and fitness is fitness, right? Right. But then I guess the, the... getting the card and the, the everything associated with the contest and everything was maybe not what you were looking for, I guess? No, not really. I It just it wasn't challenging after a while, and I just felt like uh, my brain cells weren't growing. Right, okay. <laughs> so, and then plus I started getting more into, like, endurance sports, and so I, you know, enjoy running and cycling. And So you say endurance, you're doing ultras or Ironmans, or what are you doing? So I actually am doing my first Ironman in December, so uh, half. So we'll see how that goes for me. Very Uh, cool. Is that going to be local here to the Wilmington area, or are you doing that? Um, That will be in Florida. So I think it is the 12th, so I'm actually doing it with a girlfriend. And so my girlfriend said that she would... She wouldn't do hers competitively so that she could help me out out of the water because that, okay. that's my weak point is swimming. So, All right. Yeah. So you've got to – I'm assuming you're you're probably uh, deep into your training regimen right now to get ready for that. I am minus the swimming part because I think that's uh, something that I kind of fear and I'm not really good at. So I probably should be paying more attention to swimming. That's probably where you should be spending more of your time. <laughs> no, in, no. Right? But I keep telling myself it's only a mile. Um, so I will start going in the pool next week and cause of the running and the cycling is the, the part that I'm really good at. So. Okay. So, yeah. Excellent. Sounds like you got a lot going on. Yeah. So let's take it back a second. You, uh, you did 13 years in the military. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you go into the army right out of high school or how, how'd you get into the army? No. So what I did was I went to college first and I finished my associate's degree. And then once I got that bill, <laughs> 
Okay. <laughs> that $20,000 bill, I think. Uh, Ooh, 20000 for an associate? Just for an associate. Wow. Yeah. Man. So then I was like, ah, oh, you know, I can't keep going down this path. And I just didn't want to live a life full of like debt. So I ended up joining the Guard. Okay. And then somehow that ended up being like full time for me. So I joined the Guard and then I ended up um, working full time. And then I went into their um, Active Guard Reserve program. So. All right. And you did that for 13 years. Yes. But while you were on active duty, um, you met someone. I met Liam Flynn. You met someone. Okay. Yeah. You want to tell us about that? So I met Liam Flynn um, at Airborne School. Okay. Um, He was obviously in the Marine Corps and um, I was in the Army. So it was very different to see like a Marine in an Army school. Um, so I was a little bit intrigued by that, but I did not actually meet him in the school. I actually met him in a Starbucks prior to that. And then we realized that we were at airborne school and just two different companies. Well, cause then there are like 500 students at a time oh, yeah. at airborne school or something. Oh yeah. Pro- there's probably more cause there's like 500 per company. And then you so have, I got lucky because I, I got to go to Naval parachute course and I did in five days what you got to spend three weeks doing, but I've heard that. Like every every minute's accounted for and regimented, and they make you live in barracks and all that stuff. So you probably wouldn't have had a chance to really like meet somebody in the course. Oh no! Like you're too tired after running because that's all the army does is Just run, run all day, run, run all it's day. It's an important part of parachuting, right? Yeah, for, yeah, it has nothing <laughs> to do with it, right? Um, but yeah, so I actually met him at a Starbucks first, and then we realized that we were in the same school because we had just so happened to be at a safety stand down meeting. And so he was walking out while I was walking in the meeting. And then he ended up asking somebody at the end of my line, what company I was in. And I was in alpha company. He was in Bravo company. So that Saturday morning, um, the stalker was outside of my barracks waiting for me. Nice. The stalker, the stalker one time and he becomes a stalker. Right. One time the shyest person I know is the stalker. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So. And then that that stalking led to something. Yeah. That that stalking led into uh, dating for a year while I was in New Jersey, and he was, um, you know, stationed there in Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. So we had a long distance relationship for a while. So we talked on the phone a lot, and I think that kind of like played in our favor because we really, really got to know each other because that was the only form of communication. And then. Um, Liam being with Marsoc, I mean, you know how it is. He was always gone, always training. And so if he's not deployed, he's training. So every other weekend or any weekend he had off, he would drive all the way to New Jersey to come and see me. Wow. That's sweet. It is sweet. (laughs) So this long distance relationship, um, I mean, it it turned into, turned into, turned into a family at some point, right? Yeah. Turned into a marriage. And then after a marriage, a baby quickly behind because, you know, he's, the typical Roman Catholic Irish boy, and he's going to have his kids and, you know, wanted, you know, obviously more than one kid that we had, which is Leilani. Mm-hmm. So, and then, um, you know, the rest is kind of like kind of the end of my love story. Yeah. Well, not, not exactly. Not exactly. That. I mean, I the, the physical part of right. it, you know, right. the love story still lives on, you know, spiritually and every day. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just that part of my life um, after 2015. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, you know, and, and for those that don't don't know you, uh, you know, one of the the reasons I I got so excited about you agreeing to come on this show is that um, you have had been faced with a lot of challenges. Um, 
during your active duty time to uh, when you left active duty and your family life and what happened with Liam and then the things that are going on in your life now. I mean, and then just all the other stuff that happens in between these major events. Like you just came back from uh, uh, rehab because of a car accident. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, you were uh, you were scheduled for a photo shoot for Signal Fire and your gas grill blew up in blew your up face and singed your, your, your eyebrows and eyelashes <laughs> off. You know? So um, you, you've had, I think, more than your fair share of challenges. But yet you still sit here b- before us today as this smiling, upbeat, uh, happy person. Yes. And that's what I want to hear about. And I want our, our, our listeners to hear about is. How, how has someone that's been faced with so much difficulty and so much loss um, not just managed to stay positive, but, uh, you know, from the outside looking in, appear to be thriving? Um, because you haven't let go of uh, you know, any of your, your fitness goals. I mean, you've transitioned into different things, but you haven't let any of those go. Uh, you're a mother of three now, mm-hmm. I believe, yes. right? A yep. mother of three. You're still pursuing your, your, your fitness goals and everything else. And uh, uh, you're supporting your your husband, and uh, you know through some very difficult times for not just him, but your 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 family again, your new family again as a whole. And uh, I just think there's so many people out there that that struggle every day um, with big and small things. You know, something that's might be small to you might be big to somebody else mm-hmm. uh, in their life. And and hearing some of the things you've dealt with and how you've gotten through them uh, and how you get through day to day and, and keep your, your focus on things would be beneficial for people to hear. What do you think? Yeah. Um, so I think, uh, you know, mindset is, is definitely something that I feel that I've really honed in and kind of like perfected in my life and what works for me. I'm also the type of person, um, I'm not the victim. And I always say, like, in in my story in life, like, even losing a husband, like, I wasn't a victim to that. Like, my husband was a victim. Liam was a victim. I'm actually the victor in my life because I just, I I don't take anything for granted. And I think every day, as hard as it is, I give gratitude. Like, I was, you can call it lucky, you can call it blessed, whatever you want. Like, I am so lucky and so blessed that I met somebody like Liam because he really set the tone for my life. And people are like, oh, my gosh, like, you know, you moved on or you moved forward and you remarried. And and I feel like if you have ever felt love like that, that's all you ever want. And I feel if I didn't, like, move forward or or I just kind of went down the bunny hole, and I always hear Liam saying, like, don't go down that bunny hole, you know, you, you'll get lost, and, and you will. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's practice. It's daily practice. Let, let, me, let me go back to something you just said. So if, you don't, if, if I go into, you know, territory that you don't, you don't want to talk about, no, that's you know, fine. just stop me, you no, know. I, I, um, but you lost, you lost Liam. He, he, uh, he was taken from you in a helicopter mm-hmm. uh, crash, right? Um, and you had a little girl at the time. And you just stated that you were not a victim when you lost your husband. Mm-hmm. Um, I think most people would consider themselves a victim during a situation like that. Like this tragic event befell my family and befell me, 
and now I've got to deal with it. And they would, it'd be easy to, to put on that victim hat and mindset. Mm-hmm. Was that a conscious decision at that time? Or was that a mentality that you had developed previous to that? Was that already kind of who you were? Or was that a decision you had to make in the face of that event? I think that's kind of who I've always been, to okay. be honest. And, um, you know, like I, I've gotten slammed by other gold star wives because I, cause I feel that way. And then, um, you know, I've been judged because I have been able to move forward. Um, but I, I share my situation with six other women and I look at their perspective. Some of those other women didn't get left with children and I get to stare at my daughter every single day and I get to look at her and I have a piece of him. Yeah. That's huge, right? So, yeah. So, and every, you know, I always say, like, the reason why life is fair to everybody is because it's unfair to everybody. True. Everybody's, everybody gets life, right? Right. Everyone, everyone has dealt a a hand of cards and and there's, there's good and bad in, Mm -hmm. in everybody's life. That's, that's a fair point. And I just feel like, why am I being put on a, on a, on a pedestal in a sense, um, because when, when that happens, you can get rocked off of it real quick and get pushed off of it really quick. So I just try to stay humble and grounded. And I have a lot to live for. Like I have a little girl that watches me every single day. And even when she's watching me and she might not know anything's going on, she feels the vibe. So mm-hmm. she deserves a life and she deserves a life that is full of happiness and gratitude. And she is the walking legacy. I'm, I'm not Liam Flynn's legacy. She is, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm an extension and I'm a branch of it. And, um, so I just feel like that's like the right thing to do. And, um, yeah. So where do you think you, you developed or at what point or from who, um, you developed this, this mindset of, uh, you know, never allowing yourself to be a victim and always, uh, you know, just kind of taking ownership and responsibility for your, your situation in your life. Probably a lot from like my father and my mother. Um, I had a really, really strict dad and, uh, um, he was probably a little bit too, too honest and he probably never treated me like the princess that maybe in my mind I always wanted, but, um, he definitely taught me a lot about life and how rough life is. Um, you know, my dad's from D.C. He was, you know, grew up and raised. He spent, you know, 30 years of his life in the military. And then I have a mother that's an immigrant from Thailand, you know. And so I have this really weird, <laughs> I guess, like world that I was raised in where, like, my mother was very soft and very calm. And then I had a father that would, like, drop an F-bomb, like, every other word. And he was just completely honest with me. And I, I just remember him telling me, like, you, you know, you think it's rough in my house. Wait till you go out into the real world where nobody cares. And like, you have to be able to pick up yourself off the ground. And I just, I think, I thought he was lying to me until I actually got into the real world and, and I saw it. And yeah. I was like, holy crap, like all the crap that, you know, everybody goes through it with their parents. Like, oh gosh, like my parents are talking, they don't know what they're talking about. But it was just, it, it's like you, you hear it. And then it happens and you're like, oh my goodness. He was right. He was right. The old man was right the whole time. And then, you know, like my mother, like, you know, I wanted my parents to coddle me after like losing, you know, Liam. I thought, you know, they were going to like show me this, this love and affection that maybe I was craving from Mm -hmm. them, you know, like this validation. And I just remember, um, you know, my mother said something and just resonated and she's like, now that you're on your hands and knees, you need to look around at who's smiling. Because the, your closest friends who 
you thought were your closest friends are smiling because you're on your hands and knees. And oh, then she, wow, wow right? Yeah. People stop, like, you know. Wow, that is, uh, that's tough. That is tough, but she was right. She was so right. And then, um, you know, she told me, like, just give gratitude. Like, he left you with a daughter. And I, I don't know what it was. And she's like, you can sit here and you can cry and you could sit here in the dark. And she said, but um, that's not going to change anything. You can't control that. Right. And can't go back. Can't go back. And anybody that knows uh, Liam Flynn and his personality and the type of person that he is, um, I don't think he wanted me to, you know, sit there and, and wait around and be sad. And plus, we had those conversations. Yeah, I think, I'm, you know, I, I wouldn't assume that everybody has those conversations, but I, I would think that in our our community and the line of work that we were in, that that was probably a conversation that would have been necessary for most couples. Um, not an enjoyable one. No, of course ever, not. <laughs> right? Like I remember uh, prior to uh, a deployment with Marsoc being handed this this packet of paper to fill out, and I had to put in there, you know, what I wanted to be buried in, how mm-hmm. I wanted to be buried, where, who was going to, like, I had to plan my funeral prior to deployment and all those things with my kids and my spouse and, and all that. And so, um, emotional for sure, just thinking about it and then, and then to have it happen and actually have to think back on those conversations mm-hmm. and well, what, what did we talk about? How did that go? Is that you know, what was that like to reflect back on, on those conversations after it happened and have to, you know, try and follow the, the you know, maybe the, the uncomfortable agreements and, and guidance and things that were discussed? So I think because a lot of our communication was, was on, you know, through the phone and FaceTime and texting and stuff, I, I think when you start really knowing, you know, the person that you love and your expectations, it becomes easier. Or if you change the narrative and you talk about like life and and, and what your expectations are out of your life, um, after lo- losing Liam, I, there was a little bit of guilt because we 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 did talk about it a lot. Like we talked about like what kind of life I would live, how we would save so that one day Leilani can get married to somebody, and like not having to worry about the future in a sense. Um, it is hard, and I, and I just I remember him always saying like I trust it, I trust you for a reason, and mm-hmm. I know that you're going to make the right decisions on on how to raise my daughter, and so I kind of felt like I we spoke those things into existence, um, and then a part of me kind of always knew deep down inside that Liam was going to live like this short life, um, because I believe people like him don't stick around very long. Really? Yeah. Because he was just... Um, like almost too good to be true type almost, thing? Is that, oh, is that yeah, weird? like just a stoic. I always mm-hmm. like to, you know... He des- was. ...describe yep. him as stoic. And people always take that in a weird way, like, oh, then, you know, he doesn't know how to show feelings and love and this and that. But it's like such the complete opposite because somebody like him just realizes the value of time. And when somebody realizes that they are on borrowed time they see life very very differently Mm -hmm. and so i i i feel like that's why i don't want to waste time because everybody knows life is short but is it really short or is it the time that we waste 
just yeah you never and you never know how much of either you're gonna have exactly and um yeah so I, I lived with a lot of guilt for that for like uh years and um and I, I kind of I I was in pain because of the way he passed away mm-hmm. and just like the way the the Marine Corps just kind of like treated it and um it's just one of those things where it's things are kind of like swept underneath the rug and so yeah yeah that's that's sad um but from there you you were able to move on mm-hmm. um and i say move on not in the sense of of leaving behind no, but but yeah. continue on i guess would be a better right. way to to phrase it maybe you're able to continue on in life and uh you're able to find somebody else right yeah yeah yeah, uh, another raider. <laughs> but I promise I'm not a raider chaser. So, but no. That's it just, a thing? Actually, you know what? That actually is a thing. That's a thing. That is a thing. Well, I, I think there's always a chaser in special operations. Like Okay. Yeah, I, I think there's like females that just like sit in certain bars where like seals and green berets <laughs> go to. Like, come on now. Oh, man. You know, you're chasing the alpha. Look, I'm not going to fault you on that. I mean, that's, oh, that's, gosh, that's funny. Yeah. That's pretty funny. So you're not one of those, but you did find another one. I did, yes. Okay, yeah. and you're you're now remarried mm-hmm. with more kids. More kids, yep. And you have a, a happy family and, yep. and all that, but you've been dealt yet another struggle. <laughs> yeah. Um, that we were we were kind of discussing in the hall before we started the show today. Mm-hmm. There's there's been some movement on that front and, and, and everything there, um, which. We've talked about this before, the, the struggle you're facing now with uh, with Danny. Uh, is it okay if we talk about yeah, that? Yeah, most bit? definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he he had, was put in a, an unfortunate situation, and then uh, the Marine Corps, by all accounts, has decided to uh, hold people responsible for something that was completely out of their control. Correct. Um, not just the actions of another person, but then the consequences of those actions as well. Mm-hmm. And... You, you lost your first husband to the Marine Corps, and now the Marine Corps is looking at uh, trying to take away your second husband um, for no apparent reason other than they just want to, I don't know, what do you, how do you even describe what's going on? Hmm. Okay, so, you know, for people who know, it's known as the MARSOC 3. Um, gosh, like where do you even start? So, you know, there, there was a situation. Um, they were in an establishment on New Year's, which they were allowed to go to because the time that they checked out of, like, Erbil, the, the base that they were at, was already close to midnight. They um, went into an establishment off the post, and um, there was a contractor there who was, I guess, had been bullying all night. Like just everybody, and yeah, the, and they have it on camera too. Like oh, yeah, these little altercations <laughs> yeah. from the security footage, and right. this guy was was causing and everything. He yeah. was causing he was causing ruckus, so he was removed, you know, from the the restaurant. And uh, when Danny, Eric, and Josh were trying to leave, they were they were stopped, and they're like, "No, just just wait a few minutes." And then finally, when they they went outside, I guess. Uh, you know, Eric was like, hey, I don't know what this guy's problem is, but he just, like, kind of, like, bullying, picking on me for, for some odd reason, like, just trying to pick a fight. 
And Danny being a you know, senior leader, because we can make on-the-spot corrections in the military, the wonders of being a, a veteran and, and knowing your UCMJ and uh, regulations. So Danny was like, you know, it's not a big deal. Like, let's, I'll just go and, you know, de-escalate this, you know, the situation. So, you know, Danny had walked up on the video. It shows on the video and was like, hey, you know, like, I don't know what's going on. Like, you know, but just like just just trying to be cool about it hands are always down to his hips and i guess the the contractor at the time just was just picking a fight and was just in danny's face spitting and poking at his chest and uh you know tried to like attempt to headbutt danny and danny pushes him on video you know like with one hand just pushes him like mind you this guy is you know a lot bigger than danny and i guess that guy didn't like it and came in and punched danny in the face and then proceeded to punch again, and then Danny moved his body. So I think the second punch landed, like, somewhere, you know, on the arm, tricep area. And then he was trying to come back again for the third hit, and that's when Josh Negron punched him. And then, um, you know, the contractor fell on the ground, and then Danny's body was turned, and then somebody, I guess, like, punched Josh, and then Danny just pulled him off, and then Eric tried to you know, I guess look over him like, hey, okay, he's okay. He had a little, like a little scratch on his head. And then all the contractor's friends just left him there, took the keys out of his pocket and left him there on the streets. And Danny's like, you can't, you can't just leave him here. One, he's an American. So, so this, this, just to recap real quick, this American contractor picked a fight with some American service members in Iraq. Mm-hmm. So the American service members were deployed. This guy was there in support of a contract. Mm-hmm. Um, he picks a he picks a fight, which the service members are trying to avoid, trying to de-escalate. He's the aggressor. He attacks. Uh, they defend themselves. He gets hit once, and it, he falls down, mm-hmm. um, gets knocked out, mm-hmm. and all his contractor, you know, buddies or associates, whatever, they just left other him. marines. They just left him laying. <laughs> There. In the street yep. in Iraq to be for dead or to be picked up or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And so your husband Danny and, and his uh, fellow service members thought that was not cool and decided Unsat, they were going right? to, well, we're not going to, even though this guy just attacked us, we're not going to leave him here. No, like the we're right thing, him yeah, up. we're, we're going to take, take care him of him. Back to base. We're not going to leave this American lying in the streets in Iraq, even though he was just a total jerk, right? Correct. Um, so that's what they did. They picked him up, took him back to base. Right, and then they they took him to his room. Uh, Eric watched him all like pretty much throughout the the time period. And then Eric, I, I don't know, like he had some place to go, so there was another contractor watching him. And so Eric left, and he's like, "Hey, if anything happens, like let me know." And then I I don't know if it's like a few minutes later, a few moments later, the contractor was trying to like get out of bed. I guess he must have thrown up in his mouth, asphyxiated, and then from there he went to go get Eric. And then from that point, Eric came back. I guess he wasn't breathing, and so they took him to the, the medical treatment center. Okay. And then four days later, he passed away in Launchstuhl, Germany. Four days after the event? Yes. All right. And the guy, the Marsoc three are being charged uh, in association with this man's death, right? Yes. What are what are they being charged with? Manslaughter. Manslaughter is the highest. Yes. So this guy threw punches at the Marsoc three. They defended themselves with one punch, mm-hmm. um, and the guy was inebriated and he fell down. And then 
some things maybe happened later of his own accord threw up in his mouth or something like right. that. And then, but four days later he, he, he passed. Yes. And the Marine Corps is trying to put the Marsac three in jail for manslaughter yes. over this yes. incident. So they charged him with, you know, obviously they charged him with manslaughter and then they stacked the charges, which they do it on the civilian side. It's just different terminology where they pretty much tra- like stack it to like the lowest charge, which is, Let's say in the military, it's a unbecoming of it, you know, an NCO, um, GO one. So they, they put in everything you could have possibly been charged oh, with, right? Yeah. So it's it's not Curfew. just manslaughter, but they add in. <laughs> they try and find everything else they could possibly associate it with to to get to, to get like one just, conviction to throw the whole book at you. Right? Yes. Okay. Wow. How does that make you feel about uh, about the Marine Corps? Um. Well, there's an injustice there, and uh, I would, I, I'm torn, obviously, um, but I think I'm more torn of because there's people that can do something, and there's people that can say things, and, and nobody wants to say anything, and for me, that's really hard to, that's a hard pill to swallow, because these are supposed to be America's warfighter and the best of the best, and these are people that, you know, my husband has served with um that say that they would take a bullet for my husband but then it's like when it comes to the truth or honesty or just standing up for what's right you can't do that on top of just the command and their treatment towards um my husband and you know the other two and towards the family um because since that situation has happened none of us have ever heard anything from the command not a phone call nothing and i mean i was pregnant at the time um, I picked up my husband at the corner of 17, uh, because the command told, uh, my husband have me drive all the way to Stone Bay to pick him up after he's been on a flight. Um, and then just, just the charging and, and i it was like the first or second week that he was home and his promotion was put on hold. Okay. Yeah, I get that. Like that's, it's formality, but it's, um, he hasn't. He well, hasn't been convicted of anything. It's, it's formality, but it's also, uh, you know, how he supports his family. Right. And by earning a paycheck and getting promoted and everything, right? right. So they're, they're, they're hurting his ability to do that uh, in addition to the stress and everything they're, they're causing. Um, Taking security clearance away, um, trying to attempt to make the guys, like, work at the gym, taking them away from the unit alienating and, and you're trying to turn them into outcasts. Yeah. And you're, 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 you're adding these factors into, um, a recipe for disaster. Right. Yeah. And people always ask me like, why do you think it's taking the command so long to do something? Why do you, and, and for me, I honestly think that they're waiting for them to screw up some way or another, because you are putting in the factors of like committing suicide, Picking up a well, drunken habit. Absolutely. I mean, under under that kind of stress, right? Like I've gotten to know Danny a little bit over the last year. Um, I I didn't I don't recall having served with him at all when I was still active. But uh, you know, we were out on the range together with Ron, who was a guest on the podcast and is a member of the VBC as well. Um, you know, I got to hear his story, and everything. I mean, the guy's at you know basically almost twenty years right mm-hmm. now, and he doesn't know if he's going to retire or go to jail. Exactly. I mean, just. Just retiring in of itself is an extreme amount of stress, trying to figure out what you're going to do the rest of your life. 
um, and how you're going to go earn a living and take care of your family now that, you know, the military is over. And then you add in that, oh, well, maybe I won't be there for it. Maybe I'll be in jail instead. I can't imagine the kind of stress that, that he has to live with every day. But having met him and spent time around him, you know, he seems to be a lot like you in that he's, he seems to manage it pretty well. Um, you know, he still goes out and does, does these ranges with Ron. And mm-hmm. you wouldn't know watching him interact with the people on the range and the way he teaches and, and coaches that he has anything going on in his life that would be a cloud. of concern. Yeah, you wouldn't know it. He doesn't, he doesn't carry it. He doesn't wear it. He doesn't portray it. You would think everything's fine, that he's just another regular guy, you know, living his life. And then you, you, you dig into it and you find out that that's not the case. Um, <clears throat> no, and, and what people don't realize is like um, UCMJ, which is the military criminal justice system, doesn't work like civilian um, justice system because if this w- if this would have happened in a civilian court, it would have been thrown out and mm-hmm. it would have been um, a self-defense case. Um, but when you have a convening authority, which is the MARSOC general who can come in and say like, no, I need you to add these charges. I can do this like at any time or any point since 2018 going into 2019 the general of Marsaw could have been just like put a stop to this what pisses me off about this whole freaking situation is you're the general's only hearing it from one side and that's the prosecution never once has he heard the other side so how is somebody a military member who's served their country and raised their hands to to fight for the constitution well, and, doesn't get the same rights and not just raise their hand to do it, but have, has literally done it for 20 years, right? He's at, he's at 20 years and we've up until August had been at war in two theaters for the entire 20 years that Mm -hmm. he was in. So this guy did nothing but back to back combat deployments to Iraq and Afghanistan, uh, for the entire 20 years. Right. And the entire time he's, he's, he's told to, uh, you know, do, always do the right thing. He's expected to execute uh, proper judgment in ambiguous situations. And he goes and he does that, tries at, to de-escalate yeah. a situation, um, and does the best he can with it. And it and it it doesn't end well for, for anybody. Like, nobody wants to see something end that way. But that wasn't the intention. No. And it's not like uh, there was an excessive, you know, response to it or anything like that. So it is... I can't imagine how frustrating it is as a family to to be in that situation and, and have to deal with that. Well, you're asked to sacrifice your life, essentially. Yeah. Like, you guys are, like, the two percenters. So his whole career, he's asked and freely, but then when it comes to his rights, his constitutional rights, how does he ever have a fair trial when the convening authority has more power than a hearing judge? How does he have a fair trial when convening authority gets to pick the jury. And now you got to think, it's it, we're going on three years, right? So nobody's really heard the truth except for if I maybe spoke on a, a, a podcast or his lawyer has ever spoke on it. So you're only hearing it from my perspective and everybody's like, you know, oh my gosh, well, well why can't we see the video? Well, first, first of all, that's evidence, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and you you need like a walkthrough through it to like so you could see who is who in it. And it just... It blows my mind that a girlfriend off the streets has more has more of ability to walk into the general's office and like fuss and complain about some dumb shit. But then me as a gold star wife can't even like 
I don't even get that that respect. And it's like, uh, it just blows my mind that a, a general who, because then we, we, we start talking about leadership stuff, right? Because that's another thing that I love. You don't, you're, you don't want to hear both sides of the story and then make a decision on what's right. Because to me, what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong. And then if we look at Danny's record on paper, you're telling me that 30 minutes out of his life just completely ruined 19 years when he all he was trying to do was de-escalate. All he was trying to do was the right thing. And and like like look, I'm sorry that like somebody passed away. It is it is it, it's a very sad thing. But do you really think that that contractor wants three other families going through this too? Right. Yeah. There's been there have been several uh, high profile cases over the years of um, military personnel. Uh, being treated unfairly by the military, mm-hmm. you know, doing things that their country asked them to do in situations that you don't really train for, um, you know, and exercising their best judgment to try and get through the situation. Uh, you know, and, and a lot of those cases have received a lot of public attention and they've also received a lot of uh, support, um, you know, in the political world as well. Are, are you receiving uh, any attention uh, nationally or from uh, national level uh, politicians? Is anybody, you know, trying to help you all out with your case? So in the past, we've, you know, I think, uh, you know, with the whole general you thing, I think that brought a lot of things to light, you know, for that like brief moment. And then it went away because then he was, he retired early. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and and maybe he retired early because of the things that we were putting out there. Um, but I sometimes feel like people don't want to touch the situation just because the contractor used to be a service member and he did 20 years. Um, and people have always asked me, like, well, how do you, like, engage that? And I'm like, okay, well, that, that's awesome. You know, he did 20 years and he's a veteran. And, but that doesn't excuse you from your behavior at that very moment. You don't get a pass because you did 20 years of good service prior. And I think a lot of, I I think when it comes to the politics and the civilian side, because they don't understand the criminal justice system and the military, I think they don't want to touch it because there's layers to it. It, It's not like the whole convening authority. I think I explained that to um, a civilian on NPR, like imagine a CEO of a company coming into like a court hearing that you had, let's say you got a DUI and that CEO is like, nah, man, burn that person. But it has nothing to do like that. That's what it is. Right. And when when I said it like that, like it blew her mind. And I was like, now imagine your CEO picks the whole jury. Imagine the CEO never heard your side of the story. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, uh, there's just no there's no accountability when it comes to like the leadership in this position at all. Well, no, I think uh, I think there was a, a recent case that was all about accountability. Yeah. Uh, did you follow uh, Lieutenant Colonel Stu Scheller's yes, story at all? I sure did. I mean, that that was all about the lack of senior leader accountability within the military. Right. But see, like, because I did follow it, and I, and I thought it was great, like, what he said, right, you mm-hmm. know, about the accountability. Like, finally, somebody needed to say that. But what civilians don't understand, he didn't get in trouble for saying that. He got in trouble and was thrown in the brig because he violated a gag order. Mm-hmm. violated a gag order. That's why he got thrown into jail. But like the civilian side didn't 
they, they don't know that they were like, oh, my gosh, you got thrown in jail for like saying like, hey, people should be accountable. No, like, yeah, he's completely right. But it was after the fact. That's what it was. Well, it was probably several oh, contributing well, yeah. factors. I mean, he Besides also, that, yeah. He also called out the, the commandant of the Marine Corps right. and the Secretary of Defense. Um, he just kind of he, 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 he took a, it too far. You know, you said earlier yeah. there is the. You know, they, they can throw every charge in the book at you once right. once you've got their attention. Mm-hmm. And I think there were there were several things that were going to come at him, regardless of that gag order or not. Oh, yeah. um, but the point was that, you know, he he wasn't even in trouble no. when he made the first video. Sure. He was just upset and disgusted and tired of, as you pointed out earlier, general officers and senior leadership uh, being able to act without accountability. Right. Um, they're they're going to try and hold your husband uh, to a level of accountability that far exceeds the situation, even if any sort of accountability was to be warranted, mm-hmm. which I'm not saying there is because I don't think there is. Um, but yet there's nobody that looks at them and says, you're out of line. Exactly. Well, it's, it's kind of like I always say, there's different spanks for different ranks. And in this situation... <laughs> this isn't a laughable situation, but, it's that, was not, but that was funny. I haven't heard that. Um <laughs> But I, would have this whole situation happened to an officer? You yeah. know, because I mean, I don't know how you're holding people accountable for things that officers do, and they're they're being put on a pedestal because they're officers. And it's like, ah, those days are kind of over because, like, enlisted people, we have master's degrees when we come in. Like, we have a college degree. Um, and I think last time I checked, like the officers really kind of, I mean, they kind of need their enlisted for advice and knowledge yeah. because we are the ones who actually do and we, we stay in our in our job sets for so long. So we are actually the experts. So it just kind of pisses me off that somebody has that much power to make decisions. And it pisses me off that nobody can say, like nobody has the balls to, to do the right thing and like, I mean, I've lost friends over this situation um, with the Marsoc 3. I've had friends that have told me, like, yeah, you know, my husband, you know, said that he can't write a character witness statement because, you know, the command said that. And, like, that's, that's unlawful command influence. Yeah, and it's not true. Right, exactly. You can totally write a character yeah. statement if he wants to. So I did it once as a, as a PFC. Right. For a... Uh, <laughs> This is this is going way back into the depths of my military service. I was a PFC, and we had a corporal who uh, refused. This is the silliest thing, too. He he was terrified of heights. This corporal terrified of heights and didn't want to go off the rappel tower. Now, yes, he should have just done it, right? Like, it's not a big deal. Like, the guy couldn't even control his hands enough to hold on to the rope. Like, that's right. like a phobia for him. I don't know if he thought joining the Marine Corps was going to help him get rid of his phobias or what it was, but he wasn't dealing with it real, right? right. And uh, the command, uh, they wanted to burn him over it <laughs> instead of instead of trying to come up with a way to, to better him as a person and better him as a leader and figure out how to get him over this. It wasn't just that he's standing there, he's like, nah, I don't feel like doing it. It's right. scary. He it was, was scared. Like, literally like couldn't even control his own hands enough to safely hold on to the rope to do the task, right? Right. And... Uh, they, they, like like you just said, they're, the, the commander's like, you know, I'm not going to have this. Uh, we're going to burn them and all that. And he came to me and he's like, hey, man, um, you know, would you write a character witness? He was, I think, uh, my squad leader, 
team leader at the time. I don't remember exactly. And I was like, yeah, of course, because he was he was one of the outside of that one event. He was one of the best NCOs we had in the unit right? Um, in a lot of different ways, uh, like took the time to develop his subordinates and, and do all the things that these other guys weren't taking the time to do that were essential to, to leadership and, and the functioning of a unit. Um, and so I did. And, and I got I got grilled by the commander over. Why did you write this? Don't you understand what he did? And I'm like, yeah, I do, but I don't understand what you're doing. Right, because everything in the sense. military is very authoritative. Yeah. It's like you, you do this, or if you don't, then it's like you're almost like alienated in a sense. And um, I don't think, too, like the Marine Corps and the leadership of MARSOC, I don't think they really care to understand that what you're doing right now to my family affects my civilian life. Because when my husband does transition, he has to always... He's got that baggage now. Yeah. yeah. And he, even even if it goes away, it still sits in a federal data system. Mm-hmm. So now you're like, you've, you're not just screwing with one person, you're screwing with like a whole family. And now, despite all that, okay, despite all that, everything that's going on with, with your family and with him in the military, I've heard rumors that there are some businesses in the works. Is that oh. true? <laughs> yeah. Can you, can you comment on those or not yet? Not yet. Not yeah. yet? Not yet. But they're yeah. there, right? They're there, there. There's some things going on. Yeah. Um, so even despite everything, you know, all the negativity and the uncertainty and everything, you guys are still moving forward. You're still planning businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, how? Because you have to. What do you mean you have to? You don't have to. Well, no, you don't. But, I mean, who doesn't want to set up a life for their kids to, to enjoy and to be able to, to live? Like, I, I don't think my kids should have to – I shouldn't have to burden my kids with the, the pain that we're going through or what we're going through. Mm-hmm. And and they shouldn't know until they're old enough to really understand and be like, oh, wow, okay. Because they, they might remember there was a time where, you know, things are a little bit rough in the house. Like, I, I'm not sure. they I don't, I'm not sure with my kids uh, because we pretty much, like, hide them from the fact that this is going on because they don't need to know adult stuff. But um, They'll grow up soon enough, right? Yeah. And, and, and I'm just trying to enjoy it. And get to deal with their yeah. own problems. And, and I'm trying to enjoy... <sighs> And it's hard. Don't do not get me wrong. Like people think, like, oh my gosh, she just makes it look so easy. It's not. It's it's a lot of introspect. It's a lot of like looking in. Um, and don't don't. There's moments I'm freaking angry and mad. But you take a negative and you make it into a positive, and you like throw that shit right back at people. Because I, I really feel like in this situation, people just really want to see us fail. It's it's a it's a weird thing, but no, it's, it's I, human nature. Like there's, there's there are there are those people. Oh yeah. Um, you know, my conversation with uh, with Ron Holmes, uh, who is one of our guests, he he talked about uh, all the haters that came out of the woodwork mm-hmm. when he first launched his company and his first product line, uh, and he how he just didn't anticipate that there would be those kinds of people out there. Mm-hmm that he put so much time and effort into his, his business and his thing, and he thought people would be excited about it and happy for him, and then people are just attacking him mm-hmm. for no reason other than they just they just don't want to see somebody else Succeed. be happy. Right? They just don't want to yeah. see somebody else win because they're not happy with themselves, and they're not happy with their own lives, so nobody should be happy. And so you know they, they came out of the woodwork to attack him. So I, I, can, I can totally see people like uh, – observing the situation almost like it's a show on Netflix oh, yeah. and just and just you know wanting to see the carnage like how people slow down for traffic accidents not because they might jump out and help 
Right. But because they just want to see how bad it was. Yeah. Which is, which is kind of sickening because yeah, I'm like, right? really? Like, come on. Like, I got places to be, you know, because, you know. But there's the other, there's the other side of that, right? There's, there's also people who want you to win. Mm-hmm. I'm one of them. Yeah. I want you guys to win. I know everybody at, at, on the Signal Fire team wants you to win. Everybody in the VBC wants you guys to win. So that you have plenty of supporters out there um, that are rooting for you. So don't let those detractors' voices be too loud. Right. And I and I think that's the thing. Like, I think we really had to take a step back and assess certain things and people that were, like, in our lives. And, uh, you know, it's sad because, like, you, you thought, like, maybe your friendships or your, your brotherhood was, was stronger than that in a sense, and, mm-hmm. and it wasn't. But then, yeah, what's going to happen when – we do succeed because it's, it's going to happen. Yep. You know what I mean? Um, but I don't, I don't want those people around me cause it's, it's, it's fake at that point. And, uh, it's a good opportunity to trim the fat. Yes. Right. It draws, draws out the, the character flaws and gives you an opportunity to say, you know what? We're done. Don't yeah. Really, don't really need you around anymore. And I've, I've always kind of been the type of person anyways. Um, like I'm a social butterfly, but only social when needed. Mm-hmm. And um, and I kind of keep people out of bay just because of everything that I've gone through. Because like I said, you know, as my mom said, like when you're on your hands and knees, you know, look up. Who's smiling? And I don't That's, know why. I've, I've, I've never heard it put like that. Yeah. Um, but that is a, uh, a good piece of wisdom that, that people should keep in mind. I've never been told anything like that. Oh yeah. Right. I've, you hear you usually hear the flip side of that, the reverse of that, which mm-hmm. is, you know, remember who helped you when you were down. Right. That's a whole different way of looking at it. You know, when you're down, look around and see who's celebrating that. Right. That's I've never heard anybody describe. Oh yeah, it like because that. It, because it's there, and mm-hmm. and I guess because you know my mom's been around for a long time, and you know she's seen things. And well, it's interesting because it's it's easy to to say, okay, this person helped me, that person helped mm-hmm. me, they're my friends, but then you have all the people who. You, it would have been easy to just say, well, they didn't help. But not only did they not help, like your mom pointed out, they were actually celebrating my in, failure in, in your failure. Oh, yeah. Um, and so that's, that's a, like you said, important to take note of because you don't want those people in your circle anymore. That, but like you, you take it into something positive because mm-hmm. then it's, it's, it's fire. And I, and I think that's just kind of how I, I take life, period. Um Everything, you know, it's cliche and people get pissed when I say it, especially like, you know, like other widows, but everything happens for a reason. And I mean, you're still the master of your, your destiny, you know, no pun intended. Um, but, but you are, and you still have the, the, the free will of making certain decisions. And I'm just not going to let the bad things that happen in my life or the unfortunate things or the unfair things like those things don't create destiny, you know, mm-hmm. in a sense where it doesn't, it's, I'm not going to allow it to like stress me out because there's other ways that I can fight it. And the way that I fight it is sitting here talking to you or making sure that people know. And if they're not educated that I have that conversation with them, because this is what really like pisses me off about people. This could happen to any husband. This could happen to any family at Marsoc special operations period mm-hmm. things happen all the time yeah. like this it happens to civilians yeah they get put in a bad situation and now they're in trouble because of something they didn't they didn't intend to happen they no. didn't want to happen they were just the other night me and my daughter are out walking the dog 
and I caught a guy trying to break into my neighbor's car. And I interrupted him, scared him out of the neighborhood. Probably helped that I had my German Shepherd with me, <laughs> right? But that could have gone a hundred different ways. Oh my gosh! Right? Yeah. And then I could be sitting in a chair somewhere trying to explain to the man why, you know, this guy was in whatever situation he was in after that that incident. Yeah. You know, so um, it could happen to anybody, and it is important to know to for people to understand that and respect that mm-hmm. that could happen to anyone. Um, and it's also great to hear from people like you who've been there and done it and are dealing with it and are, are, are finding ways to cope and get through it. Um, we're about out of time. Okay. So I've got a couple of <laughs> last things. So um, we covered a lot of ground. Oh, Your yeah. story is absolutely amazing and inspiring, and I hope lots of people hear it, and I hope you continue to share it uh, because it, it, it does – it does make a difference for people who are struggling to hear from other people who've been there. Mm-hmm. So please keep doing this every chance you get. Um, but I told you ahead of time I was going to ask. <laughs> yeah. So what are a couple main main points, one to three things that uh, you would like to leave on the table uh, for our listeners um, on this topic? So in life in general, because shit happens, gratitude has gotten me through so much. And with gratitude is love. Um, and I, it sounds corny, but, you know, just waking up every day and just finding that one thing that's like worth. And for me, it's my children. It's my legacy. Um, fight, even when, if you, even when you have to fight alone, like have like the bravery to stand on your own for what's right. And um, I don't know, just find something that makes you happy. You know, don't be a do nothing. Take action. <laughs> yeah, take action. I love it. Be grateful. Mm-hmm. Be willing to fight for what you believe in and take action. Yes. This is a three. Yeah. I like it. That's good. All right. And then the final request that I had for you. <laughs> uh, do you have any book recommendations for people? I do. So the one book that I always go back to every single time is a D- Daily Stoic by Ryan Holiday. Um, just because I, I believe in stoicism and I feel like I'm a goddess of stoicism. I'm just going to put it out there. And then Dare to Lead by Brenna Brown, um, because Dare, Dare to Lead actually talks about like leadership traits. And, and the very first leadership trait is um, bravery and um, being um, transparent with people and vulnerability. And I think that's where the military lacks in leadership is vulnerability. Yeah. You have to be vulnerable to be able to lead people, to, to get them to trust you. Yeah, very good so. point. Well, thank you for those. Uh, and, and just thank you in general. Like I said, uh, super honored to have you here. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for being you. Um, I know you inspire a lot of people, whether you realize that. You know, a lot of people that inspire folks don't realize that they do <laughs> yeah. it. They don't, they don't know how many different people they reach and connect with and, and uh, help through the dark times. Um, and I know that you do that. So keep it up. Thank you, Chase. Thank you for having me and, you know, the opportunity to, to speak and stuff. Like, that means a lot to me and my family, so. Well, hopefully we'll have you back here again with Danny uh, in a <laughs> few months uh, celebrating the good news. Yes, most definitely. All yeah. right. Well, take care. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for checking out the VBC Podcast. 